What's up, guys? You apparently. No, I am not high anymore, but I was really high a couple hours ago. Firstly, um, uh, I have one quick question for you. What the fuck is on your balcony right now? I hate you so much. <laughs> what is that? Okay, yeah, I did turn my head and look, but... <laughs> what is that? Not to get off topic already, but funny you should say that because there are weird noises that have been coming from my patio, and it turns uh-huh. out that like a family of pigeons have fucked up like that like anti-bird wire stuff, and oh, they've been okay. like nesting, so every now and again, we'll go... And I was like, what the fuck? That's just me. There's that, and there's also like that dark-eyed giant from It Follows who I see just (laughs) pacing back and forth in the background there. Be so lucky. Um, (laughs) Here's hoping. It's funny because the the posts of the railing do look like legs. Mm -hmm. Fuck off forever, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Look forward to seeing you hanging from that later, bud. Oh, no. yeah, you're not the only one. Um, well, I am <laughs> presenting, so... Oh, God, can I join you? Jonathan has disconnected from the call. Um, He's disconnected yeah. from life. <laughs> Jonathan Watkins has left the library. You guys Jonathan Watkins has been saved. <laughs> you're making fun of me for my tweet, and the context on that tweet is that I got really high and I was doing my dishes... And my older sister texts me because the last time I saw her, I brought her some beer. They're usually wine drinkers. And I didn't expect them to even like drink the beer, but we ended up sharing all four of the ones that I brought over. Kind of like a little mm-hmm. flight between us all. And they really like the beers, which is always cool. So she was texting me. She goes, hey, is there anywhere, like, where can I find some of the beers that you bought or that you brought for us? And I was like, oh, well, like, let me look. She lives out in AJ. So like way out in huh. the boons. Um, oh, dude, so, who the hell are you to talk, Michael? Yeah, I know. You're practically there. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's not the slums. <laughs> Them's fighting words. Uh, I've seen your locale. I disagree. Yeah, she she used Oof. to live uh, she used to live in like in the San Fran area, so she can't afford anything better than the slums of AJ. So, oh, God. <laughs> we are talking Apache Junction, yes, yes, correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I it's got more, the right AJ here. It's more. The same hey, listen, um, super fan uh, Mel out there is going to be really upset that y- y'all are talking shit about her home. Well, I was I was about in that to case, con- I rescind my statement. <laughs> AJ is a beautiful place i was about to contextualize a little bit that she's living on like like they're building out still it's kind of like what mm-hmm. surprise was in arizona i mean years you years can ago. actually build a lovely home out there you can that's true and it their house much cheaper their house is gorgeous uh but anyway uh so she was she was asking about beer okay. um trying to find her a place to go and she goes yeah you know i went to fries but i couldn't find anything good so i gave her the rule of thumb and it's like hoity-toity nerdy you know gatekeeper beer shit where i was like here's here's a good rule of thumb if you're if you're looking for for beer is look at the canned on date and try to drink that beer within 90 days of the canned on date that's the max freshness that would be the best representation of that beer um and then i had a i was trying to you know lighten it up a little bit because i I knew i sounded kind of like a cunt so i said uh drink beer when it's fresh it doesn't sound very cunty to me, but I said yeah, uh, you would know. I said I said opt. I said optimally, you know, you would drink that beer as close to the candon date as possible. And if you could just remove the middleman and put your mouth underneath the tap, then that's what you should do. And I was so stoned that it felt like an aha moment of like, oh, well, that's why breweries actually exist. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Cut I out mean, the middleman of the can. Just drink straight from the tap. Breweries. Barney Gumble did that, but he cut his gums to shit. So you know, <laughs> you, you, you weigh a certainty against the doubt. Yeah, but anyway, that that was uh, that was me getting high on my day off, guys. So that's that's the kind of fun that I have. I, I don't Indeed. I don't get to watch movies and have fun that way. I get to think about really dumb things and mansplain concepts to myself. <laughs> Better what I you, did on uh, Twitter. You uh, think that's air you're breathing now? Can I? Can I also? I know that we're not doing a good job of getting into the episode, but I was going to say, Duan, this is the content you crave. Shane, mm, Shane tasty, bought us a little tasty. extra time this week by getting off of work early, so getting I have off. to read. Yes, I have to read what Asher sent me a couple hours ago to you guys. Oh, good. Um, he asked me a question, and I feel like you you all could weigh in. <sighs> so this is from Asher, and he said, "Well." I had too much wine while making dinner, so now you get a random question. If you were Jesus, how long would you wait to come back? Like, I'd probably show up every 100 years or so just to micromanage society. Like, bruh, I see you've thought witches were real for 60 years now. If I come back and you're still on that, I'm bringing the locusts. Don't make me sacrifice your firstborn. Like, show up one day. Hey, just so y'all know, I'm God. There's nothing above me, father, son, holy bartender, or whatever. I'm the triangle. So look, this is a fun experiment for a while, but I'm bored now, so I'm out. No more Easter. Good luck. By the way, you may still see my face in a piece of toast. It doesn't mean anything and won't get fixed till next patch. That was a lot to unpack wow. there. Well, in answer to your question, if I were Jesus, I'd be coming every five minutes. I, I think I was. That checks out. Be the eighty-second coming by the time they got around to discussing it with me. I think I was a little. And that is the wrath of God. Everyone should be afraid of. (laughs) Watch your eyes. He's coming. And on that note, Heil comes, slingers, and welcome to this, the disinformed podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. See, I can still get us into this motherfucker. There That's you right. go. Beautiful well, transition. What I was saying is that assuming that I was Jesus, um, I would technically not even exist, like at least in an omnipotent context, or maybe not at all. So I think that's pretty hot. And now I have yeah, a new There's kink. nothing potent about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is known. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Except for the skunk that you bought, apparently, since it got you that stoned. It was it was great. I I enjoy my my time off. Uh, Michael, I want to uh, give you a, an apology up front because my cats are screaming at me <laughs> the door. Right hey! That's going to be happening hey! all episode because we're recording early. Oh my so. god! Hey! The fan art, the fan art of Michael. Oh my uh, good god! Uh, or yeah. as, as Asher says, Asher says, uh, myself Christ. <laughs> <laughs> actually speaking of christ uh john did you attend satan con this past weekend uh no but i heard it was great i technically didn't but i went to old town and i got drunk like i said we Same. were gonna try and do yeah. plenty of demons there oh yeah i even talked to the bartender at goldwater about uh satan and everything uh it was, was it nice. nate was it a big guy with a huge, deep voice, like he was gargling he, marble? He at, he attempted a mullet, I think is the best way to describe oh, his hairstyle. Think, no, never mind, not him then. Okay. As in, like, he had shaved sides, but he had long so, hair. So, like, your haircut. Yes, but, like, longer. 
Okay, Did so he... it's more like back heavy as opposed to top so heavy. So what you're like saying is his hair is yes. more intentional than yours. Okay. Almost certainly, yes. Oh, Does Michael he... is intentionally trying to be a quail. Let's not take that away from him. It it's, is a look. They are my people. I do run very fast if I'm spooked. <laughs> Listen, I can run really far. <laughs> Glass and <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah, Michael, what's what's a motorcycle made out of? Glass tubes. tubes. <laughs> I can feel you thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Michael. You went all the way to Old Town and you didn't go see Jonah? I honestly Little still bitch. don't know where he works at. Okay. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> uh, aside from the, the stint he had slinging chicken fingers at Cane's, I, I don't know where he works. Which you used to your greatest advantage, we all know. <laughs> I got a free lemonade card from you guys and I promptly never used it. And I gave it away to one of my coworkers after it expired. You son of a bitch. What can I say? I'm a disappointment to everyone involved. To yourself. I mean, you're the one who's being cucked out of your own lemonade fix. <laughs> I, I, I metaf- am included in my disappointments, yes. Now we're expanding your screaming of hay to walking into a canes and accosting the workers <laughs> at the register. <laughs> Where's my <laughs> lemonade? <laughs> we'll do a food exchange. What do I got to do to get a lemonade in here? Just drop trowel. <laughs> Before that wouldn't we, uh, even be the worst thing that's happened in that canes. Oh no! By all true. by all means, I, I bet not. Say, if you're making the lemonade, maybe that'd work. But before we <laughs> get trade to my um, lemonade for your lemonade. <laughs> before we get to Michael's topic, can I also say something? Uh, I, I have an announcement to make on behalf of Shane. Oh my god! Shane Congratulations! On- I'll be dying. I'll be yeah. dying at the end of the week. Yeah, it's going to be great. Shane, don't come to my funeral. Don't. Shane Hunt has uploaded his music to Spotify and streamables, and, and it's it is so good. just so much fun. And <laughs> the only reason that I I feel like saying it so grandiose right now is because of how much serotonin Shane's songwriting always brings me. Oh, bless um, you! And I feel like you need to go check it out. And also, it's kind of accidental, like deep cut damn stuff. If you're into our band, because indeed. Sam's on there, I am on there occasionally, but I will say that I think the best material is the ones where it's just you doing what you do. So so speechless. Just, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the way, uh, Courtney, that's going to be back up, so <gasps> you and Jonah can have a party. That's going to be on streamables soon. Yay! So, congratulations. So, anyway, not to not to put you on blaster. No, whatever. I appreciate I, that. I know I've really been sucking you off for the past couple of days. You, but. you know, uh, you can be the Flava Flav to my Chuck D anytime you well, want to. And not to get like weird and like sentimental about it, but I fell in love with your voice first <laughs> before I met you. And it's nice to nice to be your friend. But I remember very vividly uh, going on your SoundCloud had been oh my god, almost ten years ago. Uh, easily. Uh, Back I was on then your they SoundCloud. sent SoundCloud through floppy disks and carrier pigeons. Um, and I was going through a <laughs> bad I was in a bad relationship and listening to your music and it was part of what kept me sane. And I really appreciate that about you. So well, God bless you. And I, I feel like I went through part of that bad relationship with you. So You sure did, Wayne. It was a good time. <laughs> and I, I still would have thrown something at her if I could. But uh, Yeah, 
Anyway. That's a story for another I was, time. I was in my feels today, and I wanted to share that with you. Well, I appreciate that immensely, and you know that I love you in spite of how love, horribly love, 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 I love. abuse you in front of the general public on a regular. All right, now get, get to spanking. <laughs> well, that's part of a contract that you guys signed where everything is above board and all that. Love is not a contract. It's a burden that we share, Michael. I was talking like for children for other people. <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea the number of $45 charges I've had to deal with because of John. So, I mean. You would have no idea. <laughs> you, would, you could not fathom that idea. He's on only stands all the time now. Speaking of paying money for things that I shouldn't need to see, what do you have to talk about today, Michael? <laughs> you haven't paid penny one into this podcast, don't lie. <laughs> I've, like, offered, wait a minute. I've offered. I've offered. I know Michael has. When? <laughs> I mean, off air, we have offered to. to you have. Give you money. I'm sorry. I guess that's fair. You have purchased beers for me, so that is true. My apologies. And I've made you come. Well, that wasn't part of the podcast experience. That's how the podcast Unless got you want to do a Patreon. I can just imagine all of the... Our tears are dolphin levels. <laughs> One dolphin, two dolphin, three dolphin, four. <laughs> By the time you get to a school, you are sufficiently fucked. Post. <laughs> Can you uh, jump into what we typically do here? Shane, Maybe. Before? I mean, if properly motivated. <laughs> Motivation. Like how you're giving yourself a lot Good of work. air to edit. Huh? <laughs> Qua? What is editing? You that is know. a good question. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> or so I've heard. All you know how to do is make dolphin noises over <laughs> big words. <laughs> 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 I, I forgot dolphins don't normally make that noise. <laughs> Depends on the circumstances. French dolphins do when they're ravaging the countryside. What, what part of the French Riviera are we in? Because, yes, it might very well be. Everyone, please subscribe to Michael's new YouTube, YouTube channel called... Very accurate animal sounds. <laughs> say, yeah, I'll the, just be gonna... <laughs> yeah, the YouTube, as our TikTok <laughs> would prove, is my channel. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like that we hard. I like to think that we just signed up thinking that we signed up for YouTube, but we actually did YouTube, mm -hmm. which is a complete like knockoff site, and we've given all of our personal information to and everything like that. <laughs> It's just me trying to fill the tub as much as humanly possible without it overflowing and still only getting like an inch and a half under my ass. This is beautiful. Come on, I just want to get the thigh cheese taken care of. Oh, I've man. been chafed. I've been chafed for days. I just want a little bit of release. It's starting to get sentience and I think there might be an uprising. Wait, that's just my dick. We want Ohio. <laughs> all your base are belong to us but what we do typically do here much to my chagrin is we delve into random esoterica and in the course of explaining it to one another and to you we will leaven in the occasional lie because that's fun lying is the most fun a girl can have with her clothes on as i was told once so 
we will not let you leave disinformed, however, in most instances, other than me, like, apparently misremembering, then misremembering again, that uh, Iron Man was, in fact, released in 2008. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Stephen corrected me on that, and I, I now just feel really stupid. But uh, in any event, uh, we will give you a little denouement at the end of the episode, tell you what we lied about and why it was or was not entertaining. And hopefully that will be sufficient to keep you coming back for more, just like John cutting his teeth on a tap in a bar somewhere. Oh, don't <laughs> eat your mic. Oh, God. It's so phallic, I want to suck it. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. You're not wrong. <laughs> Stop wagging that chin of yours and let me suck it. <laughs> Is Jay Leno on the show today? What's happening? <laughs> Is so that anyway. a chin in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Yeah, so his anyway. name is uh, Wong, and uh, uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful boy. Okay, there are uh, three lies. Uh, I don't know if you today. can keep that in. Oh, oh no, allow it. You said three up, three lies. Three lies. He's doing another one of those uh, obscured topics again, so I'm terrified of what's about to hit us. What do you What do you got, you little esoteric daddy? Oh, it's esoteric as fuck. Um, I want to start out by asking a simple question. As you are wont to do. No, it shouldn't seep like that, and you should still seek the advice of a medical professional. Damn it! Well, that is my episode, guys. Thank you for (laughs) reaching out, and uh, have a good day. Um, How do you guys engage with the media that you consume? Whether it be books, video games... (laughs) Fair enough. If you consume literally your books upon completing them or mm-hmm. while enjoying them, either way. So do you just, while you're enjoying your media, do you sit there passively watching, like if it's a TV show or passively reading if it's a book? Or do you actively try to engage with the, the yes, Shane? I'm I'm, passi- I'm, 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 I'm I'm passively reading. Well, oh, well, what I mean by <laughs> I that he, is, I think are he's you talking about like what are reading? you doing while you're yes. doing what you're doing? Are you like, just sitting there fully engaged in just reading the words? Or I'm are sitting you there fully engorged up? and you know trying to distract myself with other things. So I've seen okay. Shane read a book before, and it's so terrifying that I don't even know if I should talk about it. But what he does. <laughs> Because he did say he's engorged, um, mm. and he's enlarged as well. Um, he I, call me he, fat. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he Too flips. much caloric content. Not only does he use his dick as a bookmark, but he uses it as a page turner. And it <laughs> that's impressive. You have never had a paper cut until you've had one on your vase de France. And at this point, he's had so many that it just looks like a road map. And that is, in fact, why all my pages stick together. Not any other lurid activity. Yeah. So, anyway. So, we know how (laughs) Shane enjoys his books and or TV shows. But, Courtney and John, how do you enjoy your media? Do you just sit there and read it? Or are you doing something otherwise, like listening to a podcast? Courtney, what do you do when you read? When I read, I usually have like yes. lo-fi on in the background. Dude, same. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Wait the fuck! Like, 
How can you listen to a <laughs> podcast and read at the same time? I think he's talking about other activities. Like, are uh, you, yeah. are you like, like talking like, about ADHD today or, or what? No, what are we doing? no, no, well, no. Well, the, hold, on, just, hold on. This is just a simple question. So, yeah, let me stop being smart. Do, Be simple, do, Shane. Do you do <laughs> something else than just read when you are reading? Hold on. Let me let me ask that for, so Shane can understand it. <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? Uh, no um no but but i think the context is my answer to you michael is it depends on what i'm doing so if i'm podcast or listening to a podcast i prefer to be doing like chores like Mm -hmm. today i listened to a bunch of podcasts while washing dishes and do like cleaning up our kitchen um if i'm reading i like to listen to lo-fi when i'm watching movies i'm focused because i actually actively do that and it drives me fucking crazy not to pick up detail on that. Um, okay. So yeah, it's all cur- It's all based entirely on, on the medium. That's, that's a good point. And you even mentioned detail uh, while you're watching movies or television or something like that. If you see an actor, do you feel like you need to look up where you've seen them before? Like if something depends, like depending on the deja vu feeling of the okay. actor or actor or actress. Okay, okay. Do you guys do that? Oh, I'm a nightmare when I it do. comes to that. Like IMDb, like what? What? That? What's their name? What? I've seen them in so something. And Jonah will be that like, is, "Could you yeah. just not do that?" Actually, and I'll be like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you." So, what about you, Shane? Oh, I, I, I will stop. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting Shane. I will stop whatever I'm watching and be like, "I know this guy from somewhere." I will open the IMDb app and just look it up and stop everything just to figure it out. Sorry. You're not sorry. <laughs> Mildly, yes. Y'all apparently consume trash content and it shows. What do uh-huh. you do, Shane? Are you 100% focused entirely? Obviously. I mean, if I'm watching something that I'm invested in, like I want to get engrossed in the story. If I don't, I turn it off. <laughs> what about pod- okay. podcasts? Are you just sitting on your couch staring at a wall? No. I mean, <laughs> a podcast is not media to me. In that, like, oh, I'm so not absorbing material that same way. Like, uh, I will put on podcasts to distract me from the fact that I'm exercising or doing something else. or okay, to, fair. Like, if I'm, as you said, cleaning the house. I don't understand, like, reading a book or watching a movie or anything else like that. Because those are activities much like being intimate with another human being. Whereas, like, you want to be laser focused on the thing you're involved in. You do? Lest wise, you know, you wind up getting kicked off the bed or, you know, molested by a dolphin or some small child's putting their fingers under the door. Like, you got to kind of be. Or your husband gets distracted by the sounds of your friends singing. That's a good point. Um, What if you were watching or reading or something like that and there was something that you needed to investigate further? Like, uh, say you're watching a murder mystery. Okay. Do you actually try and pause the show and try and guess who done it, or do you just actively, or do you just I live in let the moment. it happen? You live in the moment. It's yeah. it's a roller coaster, man. You okay. get on and just let it take you places. Like okay. it, you don't want to stop it every twenty seconds and be like, "Where's the next turn coming?" Can't be safe okay. on a skateboard, man. You cannot. Okay. Yeah. No, it really is. It's like in for a penny, in for a pound. If you're gonna watch a movie, fucking be engaged. No, yeah, the, I mean, there's a reason why I ask these things. Oh, um, really? Because, well, yeah, you know, I'm just doing it for shooting the shit. Um, because there is media out there 
that you have to put more effort into than just passively experiencing it, where you actually have to sit down. There might be um, codes that you have to break or decipher in order to get more information or something to that effect um, to get 100% comprehension of the narrative. You actually have to uh, roll up those sleeves and get those elbows dirty. Well, who the fuck wants it? I am one of those people, actually. <laughs> well, but good luck with that's that. That's neither here nor there. Um, it might an... be a product of your chemical imbalance, my friend. <laughs> oh, most certainly. No, it mostly has to do with because his I'm red string collection. Uh, Are you tampons? Yes. There are a Tampax, lot of red strings Tampax there. Tampax Pearl, so um, smooth. So there is a, a genre or a name for this certain type of media wherein you can't just passively experience it you actually have to put work into it i like it in order how to derisive it. that tone you take is on top of that as well you can really? just passively do this uh, it's called well, that Blopperstein. Is, that's the i guess trend. i guess i i wrote that a little bit too forced all right i'm gonna stop dogs? interrupting i'm just gonna lay back and let i i will be a passive listener to no! your programming no this but, okay so uh Appearing uh, behind the curtain, I wanted to write this more in the same vein as your uh, 1994 Fantastic Four. Well, there's your first problem. Uh, yeah, I know. I wanted to encourage conversation, which is why I was enjoying you guys talking about how you enjoy your media. You sick fuck. You're getting off on this. Oh, most certainly <laughs> am. So there's, there are works of fiction out there that are written in such a way that you actually have to do more work to put you have to put work into it in order to be able to understand what is going on completely are you talking about the dune franchise are we finally talking about <laughs> frank herbert that actually, holy shit <laughs> because That's i a feel good like point. i feel like i'm literally studying a goddamn book just to get through it right now <laughs> yeah. well no actually that's a good point i did not address dune at all in this script because... we don't even know what you're talking about yet fine okay <laughs> firstly just not before you get ahead of yourself or, or before i get ahead of you here's what the context of what you're just asking just cold yes. sounds to me like if i were to ask you michael how do you normally eat food with my big dumb fucking teeth no it's like you know do you have to take a bite and savor it and try to identify every single thing that was included into it, it was like ooh, i tasted a little bit of the brioche bun and mm, there's a lovely cheese there what is that cheese are you describing what how courtney the, processes food what is the bacterial process that that cheese had to go to in order to be cheese mm. hmm. and condiments like what is a mustard seed and then do you have to, between bites, stop and take a drag on a cigarette to give you a different sort of tingle sensation on your palate so that you can go back and continue to enjoy the food? Or do you have to take a drink between each bite? Like, because some meals do require you to take a little more time to appreciate the food that you're consuming as opposed to just slamming a hungry Howie's pizza in your gob and then getting the sauce all over everything. Well, yeah, but I don't know why I would smoke a cigarette between the two. Because I, I also don't like know why. Why you just passively eat your meals, Michael? I mean, I, do you just I, sit there and let the food happen to you, or do you experience I, it? Because some food requires a significant amount of effort in order to enjoy it properly. Like, you've got to be able to kill the squab, 
pull all the feathers off, bludgeon it across the counter, drink the blood, you know, (sighs) sacrifice your grandmother. And you enjoy the whole the whole aspect of that. Absolutely. Every element you're Mm -hmm. appreciating. Yes. Yeah, crack those eggs. You did summarize pretty much what I was trying to get at, uh, in that there is a genre or I guess meta genre Mm -hmm. to try and be esoteric about it. Uh, pedantic even, um, called ergotic literature. And it is, uh, ergotic is Greek for work, essentially. I thought it was the sound you made in the back of your throat before you threw up. (laughs) But also, is that that bullshit, though? Is it actually called ergotic? Yes. I thought that was bizarre because ergodic is a, a physics term but it yes it it means work in that for ergodic literature you actually have to put in work into being able to fully understand the material the fiction the work that you are trying to enjoy i thought ergot was the like bacterial thing that happened to the bread in your episode like four weeks ago oh no that's ergot <laughs> with a t ergot not ergot yeah with a D, with a dick oh, instead of a well, T. Well, I could see you did yeah. pronounce that so succinctly there er, that I was get. able to separate the two. Now so, go on, Ergit. To answer now, Shane's er, question, Ergit er, on out of here. Um, <laughs> to answer Shane's question, why the fuck am I talking about this? Because that's the title of my next section. Uh, <laughs> so I started reading this very interesting book called House of Leaves. Uh, by Mark Z. Danuleski. I think you. I pronounce his... Yeah, exactly. A couple you do weeks and you'll ago. You clean it up. Mm-hmm. And while the story itself is very, very intriguing, how it is presented in the text makes it vastly more interesting. So the basic premise of this book is that the, um, the book itself is an academic text of a fictional documentary called The Navison uh, Record, um, which chronicles the filmmaker's home as bizarre things take place okay uh think think of it like uh, 2007's uh, paranormal activity except that the book was written seven years prior so it wasn't curbing anything from it okay or the haunting of hill house for those who actually went to the source material as opposed to the netflix series that's a good point yes however instead of it being a straightforward deconstruction of this fictional documentary uh this text was yeah i said that weird documentary (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me right now? I had a stroke. Leave me alone. (laughs) Instead of it being a straightforward deconstruction of this documentary, this text was put together by a second narrator by the name of Johnny Truant, who pieces together the text after the original author by the name of Zampano. Johnny Truant sounds like bullshit. No, Johnny Truant is his name. He's the original host of Jackass. Yeah, exactly. Was he um, a, was he a 1920s bootlegger? Uh, no, <laughs> no, he just didn't show up to school. He's a turn of the century uh, slacker that works at a um, KFC tattoo parlor. <laughs> he Wendy's. doesn't tattoo himself. He hasn't gotten that good. He just refills the ink needles. Oh, you made me ink. <laughs> yes. Um, he also does a lot of drugs and just pretty much sleeps around. And I think uh, Los Angeles is where the story is based out of, okay. at least his perspective. Okay. Um, so anyway, he discovers the original author, Zimpano, um, dead in his house, in his apartment, uh, 
surrounded by a collection of material that pretty much it was his random scraps of notes uh, interpreting, do, pretty much turning uh, an academic text out of this documentary. So we're already several layers deep in terms of what the story narrative is about. Mm. We have a second narrator piecing together the text written by a first narrator who is dead, which is an academic deconstruction of a documentary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're already getting super meta. But yeah, that's that's a lot of fucking uh, rungs to go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and by now I would have called it the House of Left because I did. Fair enough. The text is not just Johnny's attempt at piecing things together, but instead, uh, going a step further, it's actually a publishing company that is also interpreting his work. Because he had assembled everything together and posted it on the internet, and so they had taken everything together and collated it with other sources to create a full book. So now, would you say that's kind brain. of – hear me out. Like, So is this the equivalency of if my immortal got discovered by an actual big book publisher and they're like, they actually – she has something going for her here. And then they took her whole fanfu- or fanfic and then like flushed it out and then actually bound it and released it? No, it's a fan fuction. You, you <laughs> had it right the first time. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you guys really fucked me up here. I mean, in in a sense, right? Um, but it it gets a little bit deeper than that because it's not just everyone. It's not they didn't write write a collaborative novel. You see the bits and pieces of the different authors or narrators that were part of it. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of. Trying to think, I'm now going off script here, which is is worse because I'm trying to give you guys a better idea of what's going on as opposed to what I wrote, which is terrible. But anyway, let's well uh, allow me to weigh in what my perspective is on this. Is this is like the oral history sort of narrative that you have from Rant by Chuck Talonic, married with like a David Lynch esque Mulholland Drive kind of narrative. Okay. <laughs> where there are things that feel so goddamn disparately connected well, to one another that you can't imagine it's in the same movie. Much to uh much to Dewan's uh chagrin. I have not I'm, watched many I'm not shocked you haven't seen that film. I have it's... not watched Mulholland Drive nor almost anything David Lynch outside of maybe the first four episodes of Twin Peaks and he still hates me to this day and I can feel him screaming right well, He's now. actually on your patio. I so. was going to say, yeah, he's standing there just ah! banging on the... Hey! <laughs> so, uh, anyway. The, no, that... I If I understood those references, I would be able to give a better... I'm uh, sure, yes. yes. But... How it is written is we have that original author's notes that have been pretty much put together in a book form, but we also have a lot of footnotes where Johnny Truant will add his own. I hate the fucking name so much. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, my name's Johnny Truant. Why Sam. are you upset yeah. about it? Because that's your uh, solo project name. No, because it sounds fucking made up, say. Yeah. I'm Johnny Truant. getting Trump. a tattooed well, next week. It is a fiction. It is a work of fiction, so it is kind of made up. Yeah, well, now, we're just arguing some, now we're so, just arguing semantics, see? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have this thing where he's investigating the, the documentary, but then you'll Hill have House. footnotes yeah. that are written by Johnny where he will start explaining his own process in either a, a, like collating the material or he'll just go on about random things that he's done like he had a parent at 
in the beginning of the book. I took a shower pines today, over. And then I made he a cheese sandwich. Yeah. I was going to say 432 <laughs> ate cheese sandwich. And then I drank a cup of water with Tabasco sauce in it. Yeah. <laughs> I, kind of to that extent, but not as bland or um, banal. 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 Are you trying to tell me? Sounded pretty spicy to me. Banal. Listen, I don't go that way. I'm not your average white person, Michael. I drink my water with a splash of tapatio. Just like what this reminds me of is like the uh, the Philadelphia experiment, where the whole rumor got started by some jackass who decided to write his annotations in the margin of a book that he you know really enjoyed, and then he wrote a response to himself as another person, and then sent it in to be published. Like this is a, apparently Michael needs to re-listen to that episode because yeah, his eyes I, are I, light shit, right now. Yes, because that is that is pretty similar. So okay. you get a lot of different. You get the multiple perspectives that are occurring through the text, right? Because you have and the, it, yes, yeah. something tantamount to this because the book was originally written by one person about how UFOs are plausible, and then this person then is commenting on you know whether or not that's realistic. To himself by writing in multiple voices. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of get it. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Okay, good. Excellent. Also, yes, keep in mind, you, you asked us to talk over you. You said to do that. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I wanted this. I understood the assignment. You consented. I, I'm, I'm perfectly good with you guys interrupting me and just, hey! Uh, Tell me I can so- stick it wherever I want. Yes. So the yes, Shane, you were describing exactly the kind of overall structure of the text where you have multiple people pretty much they're not directly arguing with themselves, but they're arguing with past iterations of mm-hmm. authors with the text. I find right. your findings to be quite dubious, sir. Mm, shallow and pedantic. Mm. Indeed. Th- mm. That actually does occur cuz a lot of the sources that Zampano, the original author, sort uh, cites Johnny says they don't exist, or there there was like one particular one where uh, Zapano cites Ken Burns, who is I think a real life person. Um, what? You think it's a real life? Wait, person. do you really not? Know I don't Ken remember Burns? who that is, and I, oh. I'm having a small series he's, of strokes. He's a documentary. But, uh, he's okay, a documentarian. Yes. <laughs> no, he is Thank a documentary. He's a, a documentary. documentary. He's a documentary on his Ken own. Ken Burns by Ken Burns. And anyway, there is a source. In the book that cites that Ken Burns covered this documentary, but then Johnny says there is no record of this thing even existing, let alone Ken Burns covering it. But it just just hasn't been released yet. That sort of like back and forth where you don't really know where a lot of these things are. You can't trust them. You can't even really look them up yourself, right? Okay, and then this whole thing is predicated on a documentary that is documenting... Uh, preternatural experiences that a person has in their house. Yes, yeah. Okay. I don't want to. I, I don't want to cover it too much, but essentially, this the main person whose name is Will Navidson. He's a world-renowned photojournalist. Comes okay. from a long he moves line into of a house. Sorry, I said he comes from a long, proud line of Navidsons. Mm-hmm. The house of Navidson. Uh, he moves into a house in the countryside in Virginia and everything's fine for a while until he notices a doorway, a door that mm-hmm. has appeared out of nowhere and opening it reveals a hallway that he has never seen before. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this thing where it's an investigation into the house because 
Upon measuring the hallway and everything, he finds that the inside of the house is about an inch larger than the outside. And it kind of just goes on from there where there's a lot of inconsistencies as to the size of the house that's going on. Rooms start appearing and disappearing and changing as they stay in the house. So it's not necessarily like an exorcist, like sort of haunting. Right. Like Harry Potter room of requirement on crack. Or yeah, something yes, that yes. Uh, Johnny Sims would just eat the shit out of. It's pronounced truant, and you knew that. <laughs> so, yes, that's the general overarching plot of the documentary that was studied by an academic, that was collated by a second person, Indeed. that was made for publishing by a third Which was editor. then swallowed by a dog, and the old lady in the shoes probably going to die. Yes, and that is... Is Sam Neill in the book in any way, shape, shape or form? You know, maybe accidentally opening up a portal to hell? Uh, I, I don't <laughs> think so, but I will say that the author's I got sister, who is in nurse. a band, also wrote music based off of this book. But I don't have the sources for that because I didn't really add that to the script. It's just supposed to be... There's a lot of different things going on, and in, in, in an, a, to be able to interpret what is going on, you have to do the work in terms of analyzing the different storylines and narratives that are going on. And, and that's the do the, the work main to idea. just, you know, make one of the covers meet the other cover <laughs> and then stay in that state. Do the research. Yes. Um and this isn't fail. even like the whole idea. At some point in the narrative, Johnny actually hands over his text to another his his close friend Lude, uh which is spelled L U D-E, who is in the text, who completely rewrites... <laughs> no. Ah, uh, Though, similar, this character, Lude, while he's rewriting, he actually writes over a lot of Johnny's notes, and he'll actually, like, cross out things. So we'll see parts of the text that are literally scored out or removed, um, just to show that it is not just a, a work that is completed, it is a work in progress uh, of sorts. Yeah, he's like, um, so he's like, then we'll said- have like <laughs> phrases that say uh, some intermittent doorway opened in the wall that's crossed out. And then over the top of it's written vagina mine. <laughs> uh, s- kind of similar uh, where like the original Zapano would say like they had sex and they need cross it out and say they fucked like things like that. Um, and or then there's like editorializing. He, would, he had, Yes, where, where editorializing, is... or he went on at length about a labyrinth and the the Minotaur at uh, in in the center of labyrinth, Minotaur. the Greek myth, uh, and that whole thing is just crossed out. It's still in the book, but it's all scored and written in red font or you... red uh, color. <laughs> you talked about how their bones were dollars like eight times. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, because I forgot whether or not I said it. <laughs> so when Lou takes over for Johnny, he actually. Um, writes about a week-long uh, ecstasy binge that they went on before discovering the text. Fuck that! <laughs> no, that is that is true. They go on a week-long, at least I think it was a week-long ecstasy binge, and Lude actually lists all of their um, sexual conquests that occurs during this binge. Um, Can you imagine just after- how depressed you have to be at the end of that ecstasy binge? Because that's the the thing, right? Is that when you do ecstasy the following day, it's almost like a complete reversal of the happiness that you get. Postpartum. So so you're on ecstasy for a straight week. He probably crawled to the bathroom and crawled back to bed. 
And that's all he did yeah. for like a week. Well, no, he he wrote in this and he wanted to keep his his I guess drug trip going. So he actually um took ayahuasca, ayahuasca, I think. Yeah, ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Fuck, I was close. Um and Fresca? actually You're not an addict <laughs> and it shows. It actually went on a kind of uh spirit quest while he was interpreting these notes. So we have this person going on a drug trip fueled spirit quest while in the footnotes of someone philosophically interpreting architecture to just give you an idea of what is going on in this book where you have these multiple storylines that are occurring at the same time right and you have to be able to parse through what is going on in order to understand the whole story the whole context So if a person were, say, to, uh, you know, step out of their front door, trip, fall in the mud while trying to extricate themselves from the mud, stumble into the middle of the road and get hit by a car, and then after the car had gone by, be sodomized by a neighborhood dog, and then be dragged bloody through the mud again back into the house to shower them, this book is the study of all of those things being washed by the water down the drain. And more. Yeah. Um, and then also a third person that saw part of the um, sodomy. Spit on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Spat him after the sodomy and then wrote okay. that as well, and contradicting <laughs> Forced him to take on. drugs and describe all the things that had happened to him. Yes, yeah. This is ADD <laughs> with a cover on it, Michael. Not well, wrong. shit. I guess I'm not covering it as well as I wanted to. Um, just, I enjoyed this text. Because, I'm not shocked. Yeah, because this sounds it like hundred percent work. I don't know. I'm the person that enjoys like not just sitting down and reading. I like to be kept engaged through doing things outside of the text. Um, one of my favorite parts in the text that I. I guess I'll recre- uh, recount here was that Please Zampano. <laughs> I literally just broke there. He I, just I gave just... you like a full teacher look of like, shut the fuck up. I'm going to read. <laughs> I had a statement I was going to say, and then you said that, and it just. You asked for this. <laughs> you did. I know. No, I know. I'm. I. I. As long as you guys are having fun, I. We, I'm we love this. you dearly. Please continue. <laughs> I'm miserable. <laughs> well, that has nothing to do with this episode. One of my favorite aspects of this book to show kind of just like the bizarre nature of it is while Zampano is telling the story of an expedition into a deeper part of the house. He is explaining what the architecture isn't by referring to other architects and their architectural designs. And so he will take up, he took, he takes up 14 pages on either side of the margin, on either margin, just listing the things that it is not. It isn't. So it does, it doesn't follow the architecture of this person, of this person, of this person, of this person. And it, you don't need to read that necessarily for context, but it's just one of those things where you can get, I don't know. I'm just gushing about this book. Let me say where this takes me. Mm. Okay. To the, all right. To the bathroom to clean up. Cause you've made a mess of yourself <laughs> to the moon. Diamond. Hands. Um, <laughs> Hashtag trigger warning, by the way. Uh, yes. So 
I wanted to figure out, are there other books written like this? Where you have to actively put in effort and work in order to be able to understand everything that is going on. Is this on. because you're translating Ben Shapiro novels into fanfic reads? <laughs> yes, that takes active brother. work. <laughs> that takes active effort in order to understand what the fuck he's trying to get across. It takes effort to translate it into English, firstly. Also that. So... This made me ask, is this book unique, or did I just uncover a whole literary subgenre? No, because if you want to, you can read Finnegan's Wake and really confound yourself. That is actually a very good example. I didn't include that in the script, but that is an example of the topic that I'm talking about today, in addition to the book, Ergodic Literature. That is actually one of the more um, well-known examples of Ergodic Literature, is Finnegan. Uh Yes. And uh, to discuss how fun that is, if you are not going to discuss it, allow me to uh, yeah, please. disclose this please. for our Actually, friends on the call. Yes, yes. Uh, it is one of James Joyce's most confounding works because it is written in brogue. So it's actually like a cross between Gaelic and English. Uh, and there, it's also told in Stream of Consciousness. And also, um, the beginning of the story is it starts sort of mid sentence and then when you get to the end of the book you discover that the end sentence of the book leads into the beginning sentence of the book okay so so the end of the book does not end there's no period it just runs to the beginning of the book again so uh, if you want like a certain series where they get to the top of a certain building and they open a door and they're going through a desert searching for mm-hmm. yep 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 oh, okay. um okay, also okay. francis the mute by the mars volta is a music example of that mm-hmm. and then a question i had for shane that popped in when you were describing that is then would you describe chuck palinick's pick me as ergodic literature no because that's uh it, it feels like it thinks it has a narrative it's <laughs> also very fair it's it just can't be literature written. if it doesn't have a plot. <laughs> it thinks it has one. I challenge anyone to convince me to read Pick Me in earnest. It's not going to happen. It's like me trying to convince my wife to watch Tusk again. It's just never going to fucking happen. Well, one of the things that confounded me about Pygmy is one of the things that also confounded me because I love James Joyce and am like died in the wool. Like uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man is one of my absolute favorite books. And yet, like, there is a 100-letter word in the opening paragraph of what? Finnegan's Wake. Yes. I'm not kidding. There you is 100 the letters in the word. <laughs> I, I, dude, you think I could pronounce it even if I tried? What are you, Michael? That reminds me of a, what was it, a popular YouTube, like, viral video or something where it's a weatherman from, like, Wales that's pronouncing the weather, or that, like, pronounces a city. Mm-hmm. That's like literally a hundred letters long, and he pronounces it just like perfectly. But it's it's something to that effect. It also because you said it's Gaelic, I I figure it's something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although sure. I will I I will say for all the Welsh and Gaelic people that Welsh and Gaelic aren't the same uh, culture or language. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> the next section. <laughs> Uh, I I wrote uh, pull yourself up by your book straps. Fuck, Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, like the same person, John. 
So the term ergodic literature was coined in a 1997 book titled Cybertext, uh, Perspectives on Ergodic Literature. Uh, the 2,000-page text, which covers the evolution of media, specifically in regards to the invention and later mass adoption of the internet, uh, and how some authors took advantage of the late 90s internet boom to mass market their works. Uh, we see visionary authors like famed turf J.K. Rowling uh, use the internet uh, of yesteryear to create communities of fans to help increase the popularity of their books. And just because I, I know contextually what it means, but I don't think I've had it like actually defined for me, can you tell me what a turf is? A uh, trans-exclusionary uh, radical feminist. I believe those are the exact words, but the, it's the idea that you're a feminist that excludes trans uh, women. Oh, so you're disgusting? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's uh, no debate. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're not doing a deep dive on that text. I don't want to do it. You guys don't want to do no it. No one wants to do a deep dive on a turf either. Uh, That's very no. true. Very true. There are easier uh, ways it, to kill yourself. Yes. Uh, but instead, I wanted to use um, that text as uh, and its notoriety. It pretty much it, it coined this term, ergodic literature, to figure out what falls under that definition of ergodic literature. And you guys were already starting to do that with talking about pygmy and all that stuff. And honestly, that is the conversation I wanted to lead into, was what texts have you guys read that would fall under the purview of ergodic literature? Because mm. I feel like that would be a good conversation instead of just letting a book or some people on the internet defined this idea, I figured it would be more fun for us to go over some examples that I have found that fit this criteria, or not, if you guys disagree, and kind of like come to a consensus as to what ergodic literature is. So Courtney's it's, read the it's Bible, fun. right? <laughs> That's what I was thinking just now. <laughs> the what? The Bible. Sorry? Oh. Uh, you definitely have to put work into that. Uh-huh. Well, also there's there's many editors there. and there's many asterisks. There are like in the margins being like, nah, bro, they just fucked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or like last week, and they did not fuck. So yeah, then he straight up sucked the ring off his finger and fucked him mm. silly. <laughs> sucked that eleventh r- finger. Back on the Dead Sea Scrolls again. <laughs> Like the dead My scrolls scrote. are definitely dead, yeah. and I'm just going to keep doing this hand gesture here. Okay. So, all right. No, if you had a dick salad, in both bitch. hands, okay. I would pay attention more. <laughs> the what? Oh, if I just keep doing this. Okay. You look like, like a you look like, like the freeze frame fighter. of choose. Yeah, choose your fighter. <laughs> no, sure you, you can. No, you actually look like Rudy Giuliani juggling Trump's balls. Just <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are huge fucking got, balls. You got the, my my hair dye sweat coming. I down can't believe my... I woke up like that. I swear, Rudy. <laughs> so what have you done? They're uh, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia's new seasons airing, and one of the first two or three episodes uh, is an account of what they were doing in 2020, and it's like essentially four different tales on how they were involved in like the biggest scandals during covid accidentally just happenstance (laughs) and uh, it's very very fucking funny anyway beautiful okay so let's go into some examples Uh, i labeled this section give me that sweet sweet esoterica baby oh man um uh, i I wish i never had encouraged you to read your (laughs) letters that's what you get Uh, so i've already given a good maybe even the best example of ergodic literature 
the book that I, I tried to explain to you guys and failed. Um, but there are a couple of other books that also give an idea as to what ergodic literature entails. You've already mentioned Finnegan's Wake, which I did not purposefully include because I don't really have any experience with even Royce himself. Um, any of his work is what I'm trying to say. Royce? Not the, whatever. The fucking what dude that wrote Finnegan's Ray. Da five nine. <laughs> sure. Jesus. Um, Jesus. I don't have experience with Jesus either. Yeezy? Yeezy. <laughs> Definitely not Yeezy. Hardly we got not. Royce Yeezy. da five nine. We got Yeezy happening. I would say that Biggie. <laughs> Yeezy's most recent album is an example of ergodic literature. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm being a shit here. One example, I'm assuming Shane has read at some point, given your predilection with Hunter S. Thompson. Predilection? Predilection. Whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Leave me alone. I'm trying to sound <laughs> smart. Okay, you know what? Here's, here's, here's the compliment that you don't deserve, but I'm going to give to you. You're at least trying. Oh, thank you. That's you all have, I could Yeah, ever you ask have done for. the Reader's Digest uh, improve your word score. You you are at least yes. the world's best trier. A for effort. Okay. Uh, more like F a B or C. Else. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what okay. ha- what Hunter Thompson book are you going to hit me with? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, that is actually what I wrote my thesis on, friend. Oh well. Uh, then you might know everything about it. Uh, I, I did a so... comparison of the adventures of Tom Sawyer uh, and uh, Huckleberry Finn and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. They are they are very similarly structured material. Okay, so you remember everything about that text? I'm, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> fluent with uh, Hunter Thompson. And yeah. the lies just went out the window. Uh, uh kind of yeah. All right. Um. Let's see here. So, tell me me about the rabbits, Lenny. Also, you need a better poker face. Oh, no, no. Once he said he knew everything about it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this lie across. But let's see. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. uh, According to the sources that I read, because I have not read this book, so Uh I'm definitely not going to be. Yeah. Um, the narrator, which is Dr. Duke, I believe his name is, or first name uh, escapes me, Duke. It's, it's, it's pronounced, just Duke. It's pronounced. It's just Duke? It's pronounced Fuck, I don't know why Duke-ay. the source referred to him as doctor. Well, there's Dr. Duke-ay. Gonzo, who is his attorney, and then there's Raul Duke, who is the okay, journalist. Okay, Raul. Okay, okay. I, I, I thought he had a first name. Anyway. My baloney has a first name. <laughs> and it's... Your baloney is still in the offing. Fuck you, Michael. (laughs) Exactly. So the narrator is not the most reliable. Is that a correct statement uh, to make? I mean, the first line of the book is that, like, I think we're thirty. We were uh, fifteen miles outside of Barstow when the drugs began to take hold. Okay. So I mean, (laughs) yeah, they're they're doing any number of substances over the entirety of the thing. And for those who are unfamiliar. Hunter Thompson coined uh, what he referred to as gonzo journalism, which his writing style was that he did not cover the actuality of the event. So say he um, one of the most famed things is he covered the Kentucky Derby. 
he didn't say anything about the horse race itself. He talked about the sort of people that attended the Derby and how disgusting and repellent he found them and how all the spectacle and the gaudy sort of atmosphere that it created impacted him. And so that is where gonzo journalism came from, is you're not talking about the event itself, but how it impacted you personally and all the ephemera around it. Interesting. And so this book follows that same sort of ethos and that he's uh, going to cover a motorcycle rally in Las Vegas for uh, a magazine. But he is then just, he's got a suitcase full of drugs, his attorney, and they're getting out of LA to just go lose their minds for a few days. And all of the subsequent nonsense that occurs afterward. Yes. Okay. All right. That is the pretty much the extent that the sources that I had used for this paper or uh, episode, whatever paper, um, told me. Okay. So that's good. Um, So you can't reliably trust on the author. So you have to try and piece together what is actually going on based off of the hints they gave or other chapters like uh, the chapter wherein uh, it was instead of written in the first first person perspective that the book is written in mm-hmm. there's a whole chapter that is a tape recording of the dialogue between him and his uh, attorney because they were too high to reliably recount what had occurred right is that correct okay um but the main reason why i think this novel should be considered ergodic literature is the end where spoilers and also a trigger warning uh the main character duke commits suicide by self-inflicted gunshot wound. Bullshit. Yeah, okay. Get the fuck out of here. Like I said, I already knew, once you said that you had any passing familiarity with this book, that lies going out there. Okay, all right. Because you're an ageist. Um, you're yeah, like, he's yeah. old, so he's seen essentially, it. essentially, I tried to recount Hunter S. Thompson's actual death uh-huh. as the ending of this book, and then I was going to say it was uh, ergodic literature because... The the narrative then follows his lawyer, which writes a third person perspective of the rest of the events going on. Okay, because that's the idea. But then also mentions a lot about the inconsistencies of the first person narrative that Duke had written, Mm -hmm. which would cause the reader to go back through the text to see what was true and what was fiction. None of which is true, right? Yeah, no, none of that is true. That is all a lie. I honestly don't know how the book ends. But it doesn't end in the same way. He didn't foreshadow his own eventual suicide. No, he did not. Motherfucker. Yeah. So. Uh, um, They are worried about the golf shoes, though. That's a reference I don't get. I'm not shocked. (laughs) So, okay. Like, this this isn't the best example of ergodic literature. In fact, no no sources really cite it as a useful example. An academic paper that talks about ergodic literature mentioned... Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas as a good example of postmodernist literature where ergodic literature kind of comes from because it's that sort of real separation from tradition and how texts are supposed to be written traditionally. And it's less about getting from point A to point B and just following the linear path of a story than it is getting caught up in the moment, which is yes. kind of the Lynchian school of uh, film for those playing the home game as well as yeah, it's, it's less about see what happens and follow the stories. Just like, here's a weird collection of characters and see how everybody bounces off one another. So, okay. I, I, I get what you're driving at. 
yes, this is why I wanted to write my script this way in that I talked about why I wanted to talk about this and I give examples instead of trying to define it so that people can get a better idea of what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, another, an actual great example um, that is a book, air quotes, book, you'll find out why I had air quotes, of poems titled 100,000 Billion Poems by, Ray, this is a French name, Raymond Ho ho. You know what? Yeah. Ho ho. Well, it is French, so it's probably quoi. Quoi? Mailed. So it is a set of 10 sonnets. That's it. However, the trick is that each sonnet is printed on cardstock, so the pages are supposed to be especially thick because. Each line is separated from the other ones, as in there is a cut between each line in these 10 sonnets. So you can actually flip through each individual line and create your own sonnet. And based off of the way that sonnets are written, they are all, uh, what is what is the correct, uh, they all have the same rhyme scheme and the same rhyme sounds. Uh, so a sonnet can be con- uh, constructed from a combination of any of the lines from the 10 sonnets. Okay. So it's like choose your own adventure of poetry. Oh, you, yes. And also spoilers, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, yes, it is pretty much create your own sonnet. And that's why it's called 100,000 billion poems. Because mathematically, because, that is what you can, okay. Yes, it's it's 10 to the 14th power. That's a one followed by 14 zeros. Um, unique sonnet sonnets with this book. Um, God damn! I don't need to explain that anymore. Another great example is the first book in a box, uh, titled Composition Number One by another French uh, person, Marc Zaporta. I think I said it right. Hardly know. Um, the book itself is not bound, leaving the pages completely separate from each other. Um, meaning that to read through the book, you'll have to build it yourself. Thankfully, each page has its own contained narrative. Uh, so assembling the book in whatever order you choose creates its own unique story. How do they present the book to you? Uh, in a box. Uh, based book off of the box. sources that I have read, it is okay. literally... It's a book a in a box. Of... <laughs> okay. Open it up. It's a book in a box. <laughs> Cut a hole in that box. <laughs> and that's the way you story. do it oh. <laughs> oh fuck it we'll do it live um let's see here yeah and, and i was about to mention the choose your own adventure novels right so would you consider those to be ergodic literature based off the examples that i gave i think <sighs> there is still a degree of linear narrative that exists. It, you're just playing with mathematical principles at that point. There's, okay. there's something to be said for like the, the poetry, like we were talking about, because if there is imbued meaning and all the lines were specific enough to give you an overarching theme, but vague enough that they all could interconnect with one another and be interpreted as having, you know, something impactful or meaningful. That's fantastic. Choose your own adventure. You still have a pretty finite number of stories and they do hinge on making maybe, you know, seven to 12 decisions. Mm -hmm. And then you're just kind of going back and reading through. 
and, but still, you're kind of intended to keep the same character, the same functionality, and for the most part, it's pretty linear. Like, I have a Batman Choose Your Own Adventure on a shelf behind me right now. Ooh. Uh, but same principle applies. So, okay. maybe, okay. I, but possibly, I, based on kind of the examples you've given, it feels like you do need to have something impacted upon by another force mm-hmm. or change perspective where you're not kind of following, like maybe if it's a character dies and then you pick up the story with another character and things like that, that seems to me to be the trappings of what you're describing. But okay. don't allow me to domineer the conversation. Anybody else? No, no. Michael is lulling <laughs> me to a deep rest. I only last month, so I just really feel uh, in over my head on this topic. Is there is there any questions I can answer to help guide you? Can you yeah, mansplain you like it any more to me, Michael? Uh, no. Oh. No, no. I don't want to. Mansplain. I'm just giving you hard time. I don't want to mansplain. I just do. I don't do. want to mansplain. I just want to normal splain it. <laughs> I want to neutral splain it. Non-binary splain. Uh, oh, okay. So, you want to they them splain it? Okay. Well, you yes. spent a lot of time talking about what it is, but I still don't. I don't feel like you explained why it tickles your brain. Like you make oh, this sound like this is like I, I your think favorite based on thing. the questions he was uh, proffering at the beginning is that he is someone who interacts with media in a very hands off fashion initially because his mind is kind of fluttering about like a butterfly trapped in a, a jar at some point. So it there. allows him to indulge all of his whims of, ooh, let me go check this out. Or I think he's talked about it previously as well with like the mother horse eyes scenario and some of the other things is that because you kind of have to do more independent research and the stories are all varied, but yet somehow interconnected, you then get to be the arbiter of what connects all the stories together and do a little extra research. So it helps to keep him more actively engaged in the story as okay. opposed to getting bored by just, oh, okay, it's missionary sex. I got I'll it. allow it. Oh, it's so bland. <laughs> now, They're the just question doing is, it doggy style. Now, the question is whether or not I did interpret you correctly, Michael. That is what we'll get on to, is no, whether I understand you, you. You definitely, like, you figured me out, like, 100%. I get you. Yeah, it's Aww. so cute. Now I'm kiss. So, I'm actually, I'm kiss. actually really happy. Now so, kiss. One of the reasons why I enjoy this kind of, like, approach to literature is because you said it earlier, my neurodivergent tendencies, um, I have had an issue ever since starting college that no matter how interesting a book will be, if I sit down and read for a while and just try and read the text, I will fall asleep. It doesn't matter how good of a book it is. Uh, and it's frustrating because I it's happened with Stephen King novels that I really enjoy. Um, it's happened with textbooks I need to study for school. It doesn't matter how invested I am in the text. I will have a high chance of falling asleep while reading it. So anything that involves me to do something more than just reading each line as it appears um, gives me that sort of interaction uh, and extra, I guess, stimulation, to use that word, Mm -hmm. to where Mm. I can actually engage with the text in a closer not intimate because now i'm sounding more sexual than i want it to be um but just in in a way that where i feel like my mind won't go to sleep. yeah i was gonna say it, it keeps you stimulated 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty. And like I was, uh, my first experience with an audio book in a long time. I tried to listen to the girl with the dragon tattoo, and I got so distracted because I was walking around and doing things while listening to the book that I would miss like. 10 to 15 minutes worth of content and like it wouldn't have assimilated any of it. It was going on in my headphones while I was doing things, but I wasn't hearing it. It was just white noise. So, yeah. yeah so similarly, yeah. that's, I think it's just kind of a, a byproduct of personality and uh, chemistry and things like that. But like, I do have to sit down and laser beam focus on the thing to actually engage. Cause otherwise if I start doing something else, I lose that other component. Yeah, For sure. Yeah, and that's why I can't do audiobooks mm. because you're right. If it if if I'm doing something that's purely audio, like podcasts, I'm usually doing something else. I'm working or I'm doing chores or something like that. I can't do that and pay attention and actually ingest what is going on with a book, right? Because every single word is important in some way, right? It's not a lot of filler as opposed to a podcast where most of what we say is filler, right? Right. So the hell I, you say. So I Why can't sit down bother? and just. It's entertaining filler. Hardly know but, her. Damn near killed her. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, so like I can't enjoy audio books. So when any time you guys are like, ah, oh, listen to this, books. listen to this, I'm like, I won't be able to because I'll either be sitting down and paying attention only to that, in which case I'll probably fall asleep. Or I'm doing other things, in which case I'm not processing whatever the fuck I'm listening to. Try the Melissa approach, and you can start uh, taking up knitting, and then you know you can knit and just have something to do with your hands while you're listening to an audiobook, because uh, that's oh, yeah. 80% of that woman's life these days. <laughs> that's actually a very good point. It doesn't have to be something like directly engaging, it's mm -hmm. just something I'm doing just get huh. yourself a fidget spinner or something and, uh, you know, keep your hands busy. Oh, I, I do have one, right? There you go. Here. Yeah. Oh. It's a fidget cube. I have one. Or. I remember, <laughs> it pa future me editor will include that in the show. Oh, he's not uh, looking because he's trying not to fuck up talking, but. Ah! Uh, or play Same. Tetris or something. You know, do like uh, mindless. I can't do uh, Tetris. I suck at Tetris. Have oh, you tried okay. actually filleting? Huh? fillet and read at the same time damn. i don't know what kind of like bizarre sex god you are i can't focus on anything other than that task uh i'm, I'm just saying like it, it, i love fillating and reading i i can't do both while all time. of this happened immediately after john asked that question <laughs> my internet connection was unstable so everyone froze the second that <laughs> you said, have you tried filleting? And then it just went dead. I was like, <laughs> have you tried filleting? I was like, the wrath of God finally caught up with me. <laughs> Someone intimated something that was uh, not heteronormative on the show, and then everything crashed. <laughs> oh, my God. Case of the vapors. But no, I can't, I can't fillet and do anything else. Okay, well, let's not get further into your proclivities than we need to, Michael. But um, okay, moving on to the next section. But uh, not before oh, we sorry. get into that. To your point, though, like Melissa can't. She has a very difficult time reading graphic novels or comic books because mm -hmm. of that same thing. Her mind gets caught up in the fact that there's so many things happening on the page that she'll lose the dialogue thread. She doesn't see where it's going, and her mind just floats to the images. 
and gets attached to certain things. And so she can't just linear, uh, linearly follow what's happening. She It's too distracting for her. So everybody has their own little hill to climb in that regard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the next section I've I've labeled just n- now that I know that John gets annoyed by these section <laughs> titles, I'm just going to keep saying them. Uh, Cyber my text, daddy. Um, now, while some might restrict ergodic literature to the physical medium, uh, I think this genre can apply to any forms of media wherein passivity is the expectation. Like, I wouldn't count video games as a whole to fall under this genre even though you are kind of dictating, you know, the story that is being told mm. in a way. But I wouldn't count them, they wouldn't fall under this umbrella of sorts because mm. that is the expectation that you're supposed to be active. And only in situations where that it goes against the norm that it would fall under this definition. Does that make sense? Somewhat. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, in the, sure. it's in the same argument we had for the choose your own adventure thing. Or like if yes, the yeah, intention yeah, yeah. is that there is still some sort of linear path that's being followed or, or some sort of normalcy that it's adherent to, then it's not subversive. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's not necessarily like that the idea of subversion, but like no, no, I guess I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Because I mean, the, from the way you described the the initial book, it sounds like the subversion of sort of how you would normally assume or. Um, ingest the material is being broken apart and changed in ways that are, you know, not too far afield because you're still technically reading, but it's not sort of your, your standard operating procedure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That makes sense to me. If it was a game Um, where you had to stop playing the game and there's a sub game, uh, I mean, they do this in Arkham where you have like dream sequences and things like that, where they change how you play the game and your controls vary and things like that. So that there's a possibility you could get some of those things. Yeah. So that was what I was going to say next was there. Are, I feel like there are exceptions to the rule, but it's not just in general. Right. Uh, so I mentioned walking simulators as as an example of the opposite, where it is non-ergotic, where you are even more pa- you are passive as a video game player so walking simulators are just the idea that the only thing you really do is you just walk forward you walk from plot point to plot point to plot point and that is the whole idea of it is that they're telling a story that you are technically interacting with by virtue of moving the main character forward right that's... i was just thinking of an actual literal walking simulator oh yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> sorry about that too. sorry that's that's the name of games yeah, that I, don't yeah yeah you yeah, contextualized yeah. afterward but initially i was like what is this like goat simulator i mean goat simulator is definitely more so than a walking simulator. pretty metal too yeah it's 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 hardcore um let's see on the other hand a visual novel is less video game and more book with a visualization element so have you guys ever used or have ever like read visual novels before are you talking to shane I'm talking in general because you are a person. Same thing for allegedly. Courtney. How uh, dare you fucking assume? Is had a full boyfriend a visual novel? Yes. Okay. It is, yes. and I actually that is one of these uh, the, one of the examples that I gave. Well, I'm not familiar so, with this. So. <laughs> so no, that's fair. A visual novel is essentially it's supposed to be a video game, but it's essentially a book that you're reading through 
that has it's almost like a picture book actually that's all it essentially is is that it's a picture book where you have these characters that you're interacting with through the text but you're actually able to see them instead of visualizing it in your own way um there are also choose your own adventure elements in here uh where you can make decisions uh where you either go one way or you go another way this also follows uh the dating simulators fall under this purview oh i was going to say where... yeah you can't fillet and do more than one thing so <laughs> exactly well it, and, it and that's known. the beauty of visual novels is that you can hit the pause button so all you have is their picture up front and the book doesn't continue um i actually did mention how to a boyfriend i mentioned a uh dating sim that i did in college a long time ago that i think i've mentioned it's called previous. a relationship <laughs> no I, I i i didn't do those in college i was very bad at those um no i mentioned college. another dating sim. like i said my statement stands um i mentioned another day <laughs> i mentioned another dating sim in the past uh katawa shoujo if if anyone wants to know, they can reach out the, to the me. The Bozo Show? Shit. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, that's kind Michael's of like hearkening to my po- my pre-4chan edgy edgelord <laughs> days, so we, we won't go into that. Um, my f- So this is one, this is another topic that I want to bring up and see what you guys think. Um, the Soulsborne series of games. Uh. Do you think that those are ergodic literature? Based off of the fact, and I'm going to explain a little bit for people that aren't aware, a lot of the world building and plot in Soulsborne's game, Soulsborne games, as in Bloodborne, uh, Dark Souls, uh, Demon Souls, Elden Ring, which is coming out this month, as of recording. Oh fuck yeah! A lot of a lot of the story, a lot of the plot, a lot of the background is contained in item descriptions. Mm-hmm. So you're never actively told what's going on, aside from follow this path and fight the next boss right if you want to engage with the story in a lot more on a deep on a deeper level you have to read all these item descriptions of items that you have gained over the course of your journey so based off of that would you say that that is ergodic literature you know, I wouldn't disagree. Particularly, I'm thinking Bloodborne here just yeah. because mm-hmm. there are so many elements where how the narrative is conveyed to you initially also controls your understanding of the game. Very true. So if you go in completely just cold, you're just, you know, shut up and go hunt monsters. Don't think about this too hard. So, yeah, it really is through repeat playing and doing, you know, multiple different character builds and all these other aspects that you get a full understanding of the story Pieces itself it together. and the yeah. intricacies of it. So, yeah, yeah, I would say that makes sense. You're to onto me. something there, Miguel. Cool. Well, I'm I'm glad we're coming to a consensus for what defines it. I'm like literally giddy as shit because I I this is turning out better than I expected. Okay, I, I'm well, loving it. we we also have our uh, the the feminine contingent here is uh, is is not uh, giving us her opinion. So that is true. You've played all those games. Nerd. I know, Courtney. Woman I've seen you do it, it for us. So is this like when I play Stardew Valley and then I get upset that I can't figure out what's going on and then I go to the wiki and then somebody else tells me how to play the game and then I just do it that way? That is actually, I would argue that that Uh, is also ergodic literature. Yes, because 
you could play through the game without trying to understand what's going on in the background at all. You don't need to read into the lives of the 30 people that you try dating at once. <laughs> right? Um, and then you're got a monster. Signed, and then like, got rejected dumped. by all except for one. Yeah, exactly. So right? hard. You don't... You, if you play the game normally, you might not understand all their motivations. But if you were to go further and delve into the Wikipedia pages or delve into other people's opinions, then you get a better, more complete vision or idea of what is going on in the game. So I would argue that um, Stardew Valley is also an example of ergodic literature in that you have to put effort into it in order to fully understand the text that is being presented. Would you would you agree, Courtney? Yeah, I mean that sounds pretty accurate. There's a lot Do of you know what I am saying? the game that you would miss if you didn't explore further. Mm-hmm. Okay, a, there we go. Cool. As as a secondary uh, sort of like sub discussion here, though, uh, considering how Courtney has described her game playing as anytime I encounter a boss, I hand the controller to Jonah and <laughs> and have him finish. I would delight in watching. Courtney, play Bloodborne for 15 minutes. Uh, we should make that a Pretty reality. Pretty much just get through the <laughs> tutorial to the, the next Guys, room. I was like, uh, yeah, not I even that. Even no, do just... that with freaking... Uh, what's the other game? The dragon and the staircase and the... I died. Yes. Skyrim. Yeah. Uh-huh. The reason I explain, I, I say this is and why the, the other boys are laughing. So the opening sequence of the game is that you're sort of... You go in to have some an operation done where you're supposed to receive sort of a transfusion. You wake up on the table and then you're just starting to go out and explore the world. The moment you get down the stairs, there is a giant sort of hell beast werewolf in a corner that you run into and you have to fight it with your bare hands. No. <laughs> so the, the idea is according to the game design is that you are supposed to die. Yes, it, it's intended yes. for you to lose multiple yeah. times. Because mm-hmm. that's when you learn that there is a world that you spawn into when you're dead, and that's when you get your weapon, and that's when you're told everything that goes on in there. Uh-huh. But it's right. also exceedingly hard until you build up a certain skill set to progress mm-hmm. in that game at all. Right. So it is just like a string of frustrations that you just build upon until you give up caring at all. And then eventually, you know, you might be able to succeed. Eventually. Mm -hmm. Because you get good. That sounds terrible. (laughs) It's, uh, I mean, it is pretty uh, masochistic as an activity. There are rewards at the end, though. You know, it does pay off. But you do have moments where as you're playing that game, and I can say from having not completed Sekiro or uh, Dark Souls, uh, where I was just like, why am I doing this? I'm so frustrated, and like, this oh, yeah. is really vexing. Like, like, okay, I'm just not doing this anymore. Like, oh yeah, fuck this. Yeah, like I don't, I'm done. I did that with uh, Neo, which is another mm-hmm. Soulsborne-esque game, uh, because each weapon you have has th- four has four different weapon styles or stances that you get into. So you have one weapon, and you can assume all these different stances that that change where you hit. So if there's people, it, it's like an old school fighting game where if you throw an up punch, if they up block, you're you're screwed, right? But if you have an under punch, you know, stuff like that. So that game got really frustrating for me because you had to switch on a dime <clears throat> to read what the monsters were doing. And if you didn't, you were out of stamina and they were pretty much having their way with you. 
Oh, That's ho, ho. the only game I've ever just rage quit uninstalled. <laughs> like, so you're like l- a l- l- a human trying to swim away from a dolphin. Uh, yeah, a- except for I I don't want to mention the analogous uh, uninstalling part of that that analogy there. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I literally sat there. I'm like, I'm wasting my life playing this game, and I immediately uninstalled that game. Yep. And I've never touched it since. Yeah. First time that you have a, a giant, you know, like 40 foot tall gorilla throw a handful of feces at you and have it kill you because it's poisonous, <laughs> you, you start to reconsider your life choices. Oh, for uh, sure. I know the exact boss you're talking about. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, one of my that's favorites. a difficult one. It's, it's a great oh, Of course fight. you are. You hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, did we, we missed all of your lies except for the. I was like, are, are you Thompson? done? Yeah. Um, te- tech, I, the nice part about this is that I could be done whenever you guys are. Oh. Uh, I, I, I had some extra, uh, YouTube, uh, examples. Mm. Um, but a lot of them are, um, there's a YouTuber by the name of Markiplier. He usually does video game let's plays, but he did two very useful or very interesting, uh, videos called Who Killed Markiplier and A Heist with Markiplier, which were choose-your-own-adventures in the uh, in the guise of YouTube, in that they would have options that you would choose or choices, and by the act of choosing one, you would actually go to another YouTube video. Okay. And it would tell a whole narrative. It's like the recommendations the that, you that you have at the end of the video. Well, they would actually... So I think this is a previous iteration of YouTube okay. where they actually had, like, um, I think... What what is it called? It would pretty much you'd be able to press buttons on there, uh, right. uh, captions or something to that effect. Okay. I, I, I'm having a stroke. I can't remember. But yes, yeah, so that was the whole idea. So it was like a choose your own adventure, um, which we kind of said doesn't really fit the idea of ergodic literature um, because it is very linear, mm. which is a fair point. And it, that's the same idea with these videos in that you can't go off and do your own thing. You are constrained by the decisions that are that are offered, not even that you make, but that are offered, mm. right? Um, a genre that I think fits in very well with the basic definition of ergodic literature, and this is my last part, uh, is uh, alternate reality games or ARGs. Uh, in these YouTube series, the plot is not contained to the YouTube videos associated with the channel, but also with accompanying material. Uh either through secret unlisted videos that you have to discover through breaking codes in the original videos or through secondary sources like a Twitter account, a website, or a second YouTube channel. Um, uh, an example that I've mentioned in a previous episode is Marble Hornets, the series that helped popularize the Slenderman mythos. Uh, their main series contained Easter eggs in their videos uh, that led to a second YouTube channel, uh, which I can't for life me remember what they were what it was called but it showed important scenes from the main series but from a different perspective which showed the kind of in the same idea of fear and loathing in uh, las vegas that the um, main storyteller the main narrator isn't all that reliable there's a lot of things that are missing however so you may take them okay has that tarantino-esque element to it yeah, where you can't really trust exactly what's going on until you delve deeper. And so the I, the perception of the story, the plot itself is changed based on how deep you go into that uh, consumption of the story. Okay. Um, another good example is an ongoing, ongoing, <laughs> ongoing, 
analog horror channel called Gemini Home Entertainment, uh, which I will eventually talk about analog horror because it is getting super popular, and I'm really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, you do love that shit. Um, it's good, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait. You, you've watched this YouTube channel before? No, no. I'm saying you're really oh, okay. into it, and you've talked oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Is so Gemini Home Entertainment is essentially a collection of VHS tapes covering topics like a wilderness survival guide, games for kids, an ad for a m- remote uh, control mining vehicle, uh, and an informational tape on home invasion advice. So it covers a plethora of topics, right? Um, but there's always, and I don't want to get into detail about analog horror because that again a whole other episode but it essentially covers other topics and there is an overall con- there's a lot of connective tissue between these and originally in the past one way to get all these connective uh, to figure out the connective tissue was there was an actual game that this youtube channel developed called lethal omen which was like an eight or i i think like a 16-bit uh, first person shooter where you'd actually be able to uncover teasers for future videos uh and uh it also collated a lot of the previous lore, lore that was in the um previous VHS tapes that were talked about okay. so it was pretty much it, it was one of those things where you can sit there and try and analyze all the different tapes and see what's YouTube videos and see what's going on or you could play this game which had multiple endings depending on the actions that you take and each ending would reveal either teasers for future videos which a lot of them have since come out or it would reveal um subtle nuance that like under underlying plot that wasn't explicitly relevant to a lot of the other stuff do you think that the infamous pt falls into that and PT, for those who don't know, um, it was supposed to be like a teaser for a new Silent Hill game that was going to come out. This is before Death Stranding happened, uh, because oh, the de- God, one of the develop was it the developer or the writer ended up leaving the project and it tanked the whole thing. But it was going to have Norman Reedus in it. But PT um, was this uh, this horrific, uh, truly horrific um, demo where you were dropped into a house first person very very hyper realistic graphics and you're just you'd walk in the same loop of this hallway and every time you went through a door you subtle things would change the more and more you investigate and then you know it's very spooky if you that is another one that you should go watch a youtube playthrough of even if you don't Mm -hmm. like usually watch let's plays because it's not available anymore it's fucking yeah horrifying so creepy it it is beautiful especially now that people have torn it apart yeah and figured out that like the scary monster that always that is there is always chasing you actually she stays like they did uh, they broke the the fixed camera angle and had the character perspective or the character itself move away but keep your perspective stationed and you'd actually see that the horrifying monster that follows you throughout the whole game is always behind you a certain distance away yeah it's it's terrifying it's it's that game so i don't know if anyone knows anything about uh metal gear yeah i'm not gonna another dummy i'm not gonna go into too much detail but the creator of metal gear who also wrote death strand who also designed death stranding i don't want to go on about the game i didn't like it but metal gear and all its ridiculous convolution that person wrote a horror game PT with Norman Reedus. He also worked with, I think it was Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Okay. No, 
Yes, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, to design PT. So we're not just talking about a very good video game designer or creator. We're also talking about a very good filmmaker. They combine their works together to create this PT is short for playable teaser. Um, so it was supposed to be like an intricate game uh, where you would try and figure out literally what the next game was going to be about. That was literally the whole thing. If you beat all the esoteric stuff that you had to go through, all the, the hoops you had to jump through, trailer. it was it was an actual trailer for the next Silent Hill game. <laughs> um, but I would argue that that is not an example of ergodic literature because in order to get to the end goal, you had to do a lot of weird stuff, but you had to do it in a specific way and you had to do these specific things, uh, which I think like involved um, walking 10 steps after you beat the original gameplay loop and then listing characters from a previous Del Toro game or some, or, or, or movie or something like that. It, it, it's, it's a convoluted thing. It's neither here nor there, but essentially I would argue that it is not ergodic literature because in order to get the full context, you have to play through it. Linearly. Okay. Got it. But Even okay. if you the, went to other sources in order to get the information for how you unlock the game, that would make it easier. No, that's a fair point. You're right. If you were to look up the wiki, um, because this was originally available on the PlayStation Four console, right? Um, and then after, I think it was Konami, um, which was the original, they are the IP, they own the IP for Silent Hill. They pulled the whole thing. They canceled the whole thing. So we had this game that was going to lead to an actual full fledged game featuring Norman Reedus as the main character, having, um, Guillermo del Toro and, uh, Hideo Kojima. Got it. Um, as the main designers of this game. It was the video game publisher that pulled the whole thing. Okay. And they removed it from the PlayStation Store, so the only way you could play it was on PlayStations that still had it downloaded. All right. Yeah. So, um, oh, you were mentioning that you had to look it up in order to get the endings that... Right, because, I mean, presumably you wouldn't be able to readily finish the game just by walking around and poking around, right? It yes. almost forces you to go out, look externally, or try to get hints from somebody else, or or try to cheat your way through it. Yeah, because I mean, right. like yes. technically, you could, for instance, say with a game like uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, you can probably discover all of the things that are secrets in that game. But dear God, that would be a, an investment of hours upon hours in order to do it. Because, I mean, there are so many little nuanced things in that game which require you to go walk through a cave system and find this one little thing that's hidden back in a corner. And you have to have gotten a map in order to... You can't even stumble upon it until you get, like, a treasure map that points you in that direction. So, like, there's a lot of things that somewhat involve... You do need a little help presumably, but unless you just walked the entire earth inch to inch and that's a very big open world game. So things like that, I think, you know, almost insist that you do need to get a little help from somewhere else, but you could still technically do it if you wanted to. I was like, yeah, I, I, but uh, so, so yeah, those things I, I always find a little weird 
but if the game is built to where you almost just couldn't try as you might, you wouldn't be able to complete it without something else augmenting your skill set. I would say that technically would qualify then. Yeah, yeah, because like even the people that came across that, it was a collaborative aspect. Okay. Right? So the people that like came across this is how you solve this puzzle, uh-huh. right? There's still that collaboration and then referring to these extra texts in order to get that information. I would agree, yes. Um yeah, yeah. No, I was about to add a but if um but um but i think like in general yeah that that, that would fall it I, it's just that it, it turns into whether or not it is incumbent upon like it expects that the community will coalesce and help you to complete the game or whether they build the game or you couldn't complete it unless one of the programmers essentially helped you through like with back doors and things like that mm-hmm which I think that would be where you start getting into, you know, as you would say, your your ergodism. <laughs> My ergot. Ergot. Okay. Well, that is essentially all I wanted to talk about. I This turned into a lot longer episode than I expected, and I'm, I'm ecstatic. Well, there I'm you glad. go, baby boy. <laughs> oh, this was fantastic. So the lies, you already got one. Um, two of them are... Eh. Okay. Uh, so the first lie, I mentioned that uh, Johnny hands over the text to his close friend, Lude. That's bullshit. Johnny writes the whole thing. Though, John called bullshit on the ecstasy trip that does happen. And there is a list of their sexual conquests that do occur throughout that binge. But how long? And it is listed. How long a document could it possibly be if it's just left hand right hand left hand right hand left hand right hand of themselves i'll show you after we're done recording that <laughs> list because i have to, to i have to search for the text don't, a little bit don't to find you it, think johnny but... truant can't go out and get laid Come oh he on. gets pussy. with a name like you? that oh he gets all the pussy also, oh also i would argue that there was a large um i, I kept getting um the game or pick up artistry vibes yeah. from Lude because he would always try and go out. They even mentioned at one point that he was peacocking, uh, where he was like dressing himself up in kind of like an extravagant, Naturally. like sort of yeah. a thing to get women attention. Uh, women attention. <laughs> get, as opposed to get women's women attention. attention. It's, it's the women attention. You play it's, game it's a, to it's get a, women attention. Exactly. Emotional okay. damage. Yeah. So, so <laughs> anything involving lewd, he didn't. There was no uh, spiritual quest. There's no ayahuasca. None of that. There was ecstasy binge, and that was it. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. The next one. I described what was in the cyber text involving a 2,000 page text, evolution of media, uh, referencing a famed turf, J.K. Rowling. Um, I didn't read the book, uh, but I'm sure none of that was true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I didn't understand Plus, the I, reference, I, but I, I got the point. Yeah, I, I, I also don't think J.K. Rowling used the internet to encourage fan communities, uh, considering she only approves a serp- certain topics for her fan fiction. Um, and her also, she just has a general hatred for a good chunk of her audience, i.e., the trans community. Okay, so I have never gone on to Pottermore. So are you saying that if you are a contributor there, there are only certain things that you are able to contribute as a member of that community? As in, I looked this up to 
verify this lie okay. because if I was wrong, I didn't want to make it as a lie and be called out that that was true. Um, she has gone on the record as only supporting certain types of fan fiction within the community. As in, she is against fan fiction that sexualizes her characters in any way, shape, or form, which is like 95% of the fan fiction. Um, She only has specific topics that I didn't really find a list for um, of of topics or subjects that she feels is appropriate for her intellectual property. Okay, I'm I'm interested because, like, having never accessed it, the way that it was pitched, it was like, this is a place where... Anybody could just log on, and as long as you're a member, you could also contribute to stories or be part of a discussion or, you know, get involved. So that would be interesting if you are, in fact, filtering out and specifically stifling things that might go afield there. But that's just a curiosity. We don't need to go any further down the rabbit hole there. I just, I, having not been on there, I was curious if that's how it worked. That's a fair point. I, didn't know that Pottermore had fan a fan fiction community within it itself, as opposed to other websites like uh, A A O three or something like that, or or fanfiction.net uh-huh. that we've used in previous fan frictions. Um, I'm not sure if that essentially. I, I, I think know, from the but... way that it was described, is it was like anybody who wants to will come in, and you can contribute stories, and then she herself would also occasionally contribute additional stories that would go off into tangents. So it's essentially trying to facilitate that the Potter universe never dies, technically. That there will always be new stories being told and people can kind of run with it, and you can make it your own. At least that's how it was pitched initially, if I recall. But again, I'm speaking from a place of partial ignorance here, having never logged onto it myself, but... I logged on to it to confirm that I am in Ravenclaw, and that was the extent of my use of Pottermore. Slytherin, so. baby. I have no ambition. It's like, why'd, so you, I, why'd you have to sully my house, Michael? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like being smart. Doesn't mean I know how to communicate it. I mean, you you, you strike True me as big Hufflepuff, and I'm I'm not trying. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Them's fighting. Where do you, Courtney? I know you know yours as well. I don't have a freaking clue what mine is. Really? No, I've, I've never had any interest in Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> you're a good oh that's fair, I guess. A, no, It was a that banned is, book. That is, that is fair. It's because she's yeah, a good exactly. Christian when, housewife. When it will yeah. summon the devil. Yeah. Maybe, um, that should be your, your uh, maybe that should be your 2022 challenge is giving an honest reaction uh, after you finish reading the series. Yeah, actually, that would be a really interesting... No, don't finish the series, but like, look up the houses, and then as a TikTok, to say which house you belong to. I don't anyway, know. thanks, Wayne. I'm trying to be. Why hip. do you think other people care about me, Michael? That's the real question. Why? Why do you think anyone cares about this podcast? <laughs> well, according to um, your husband, <laughs> depending upon whether or not you have a revealing top, there are plenty of people that care about you. That is a very fair point. Is, you did say that it is on the record whether or not he said that it. It's true. So, uh, and then to finish out this thing, you got the last lie, Shane, by calling bullshit on my attempt to lie. About the uh, Hunter S. Thompson. The, the uh, absolute book. just... Uh, gall? The gall of you, <laughs> sir. The gall. And knowing full well that I had talked about Hunter Thompson previously and said That's that I was an I... acolyte and you thought you were just going to glide <laughs> something by me. He thought you were just I making silly sounds. I, I'll admit, I was trying to be sneaky when I put that in. I'm like, I, he he's mentioned him before. 
He says he enjoys him. He listens. He like read a lot of his stuff. Let's see if he remembers it. I didn't fucking know you wrote a whole thesis on it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. He fuck wrote the G dang book on it, son. <laughs> Indeed. Woo. All right. Well, that is that is that is my topic. Okay. Well done, buddy. That was you done good, kid. Did, Yes, just, yes, just yes, give me the positive yes, affirmation. Thank yes, you. no, that's that's after we leave the meeting. I don't want to discuss you guys now. It's called tact. I occasionally I was, I, demonstrate it. I was, occasionally, it's called I demonstrate tactile. It. Uh, well, tactile uh, dysfunction. Feeling it right after. now. Ooh, we got a got a regret right now. I'm feeling it. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, uh, things fell short so, this time. Smile fades in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm actually quoting Blink on this podcast. Yeah, I, was gonna I, say, I like, need to get wow. out of here. You really, right. you really Harvey dented this. Yeah, indeed. I I, I miss you. Um, <laughs> where are you? Okay, yeah, moving so, on. I'm so sorry. I am, in fact, so sorry right now for even attempting that. But uh, this is Angels and Airways, and I am not ruining your evening. So, uh, ladies and germaphobes, as always, we are delighted to have you here with us to share every blinking moment. Damn it. And uh, take, take off, off your pants, your pants and, jacket and jacket while you're here. Oh, yes! Well done. It's Fuck you both. <laughs> they probably would. Uh, I want to see some naked dudes. That's why I built this pool. <laughs> but uh, we hope that you all enjoyed this as much as Michael did, because he is just basting in his own juices over there. And if you did, there are myriad ways that you can tell us. In fact, you can uh, first subscribe to this glorious show and then rate and review, because we would love to hear from you. And uh, naturally, of course, we have got myriad other avenues that you can explore us a little more fully if you're inclined oh. to go down our ergot path. Ooh, it's a dangerous path. Indeed, because we are, of course, on the tubes of you on varied Wednesdays, uh, just dependent upon the circumstances, roll the dice. But uh, <laughs> as of you know, last week, you could have heard John doing a, a very passable Ben Shapiro and uh, talking about uh, love in the time of cholera. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times. Heard it here first. Yeah, so go check that yeah. out. It's a, it's a delightful experience. Uh, Superfan Steven was absolutely overjoyed. Oh, okay. appreciated well, everything. And was upset that I uh, <laughs> disabused the notion that uh, you didn't... Uh, I was told... That Stephen was thrilled by the liberal eyes. I was like, that is a John improv. That is not in the actual text. And I was yelled at because it's like, it was so good. It's like, yeah, yeah, John occasionally yeah, gets gets a hold of the ball, man. What can I say? I was in character. Indeed. Stephen asked me if it was satire, and I was like, nah. He's to serious us, about to everything us. he do. <laughs> Satirical to, to normal us. People. Yeah. Indeed. Just like that uh, wet-ass P-word. Or Fellini satirical, or Fellating satirical, if you're, uh, if you're uh. Michael. But So, uh, go check that out. It's a lot of fun. And also, of course, uh, you can uh, scope our TikTok, because it is just fraught with cleavage and other things to hold men's <laughs> yeah. attention for at least 30 <laughs> seconds. 
Uh, and uh, you can actually watch my beard just grow <laughs> and fall off like a like a chia pet yeah, because you uh, are from, actually from back. this point forward. Just yeah, like I you can just watch it week by week progress if you continue to watch TikToks. Or Where in that. the world is Shane's mustache? <laughs> Not up your ass right now. I'll tell sad you that. Sad day. Sad day to be alive. Yeah, indeed. But it is a great day for human misery. So. I think that is going to officially wrap this thing up like uh, pages from a boxed book around your cranium. And so we hope that you have uh, appreciated this stellar story that we've been telling this week. And, uh, you know, show us some love. Continue yeah. you to be here with us. Mm-hmm. 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 And for the Disinformed Podcast this week, friends... I am Kermit T. Frog. <laughs> Actually, sorry. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. And zippity zoop, we're out of here. Er, got me. Guys, I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs>